0: Everyone, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and on today's episode, we have Taylor Moliterno. On September 22nd, 2016, Taylor became a mother to her sweet daughter Francesca Joy. She and her husband had to say hello and goodbye to their baby girl within the same day, and their loss became the catalyst for Taylor's work in helping parents navigate stillbirth and infant loss. Taylor's passion in sharing her story through her health and fitness business has led to connection after connection and story after story of other mothers saying, I understand. I've experienced this too. Now raising her 17-month-old daughter, Joya, she has a passion for sharing her truth as a mom raising a rainbow. With National Rainbow Baby Day coming up, we want to honor all of the mothers who have experienced loss. We're honored to have Taylor here with us today to talk about loss and rainbow babies, as well as her story and what others need to know. Let's welcome Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast, Chick Chat. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, Taylor, with National Rainbow Baby Day approaching August 22nd, we wanted to shed some light on rainbow babies and talk to a mother who has been there. So many women have experienced losing a pregnancy or a child, and I feel like it's important for those moms to not feel alone. And this is why we're just so honored to have you here with us, and we admire your strength for sharing your story. So thank you again, Taylor.
1: Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Oh, great. So Taylor, can you explain to our listeners who are unfamiliar with this term, what is a rainbow baby and why is it termed rainbow baby?
1: Yes. So a rainbow baby is a baby that's born after a loss, whether that's a pregnancy loss or infant loss, stillbirth. It's termed a rainbow baby because, you know, you think of a storm and the rainbow at the end of a storm or rainbows are just considered that symbol of hope for a lot of people as well. So I believe that's where the name came from.
0: Yeah, that's what I know about it. (laughs) I love that. I think that term is just so beautiful to really think about. Yeah, I mean losing a child is just the most devastating thing a parent can go through and whether pregnancy or stillbirth or beyond. And to think about that your next child being that rainbow after such a hard storm, I I just think it's a beautiful term after something so, so tragic. So um, Taylor, again, if it's all right, would you be willing to share with us your family story? Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people when they ask if I will talk about it, that
1: while it's the hardest thing i've ever gone through my daughter right. is the my favorite one of my favorite people to talk about so i wow. really do feel honored when i get to share her story and our story but yeah i was pregnant in 2016 very routine pregnancy everything was going great i actually i live in pittsburgh now i lived in pittsburgh at the time in 2016 when i found out but we were on our way to move to florida so it kind of was another like whoa like another layer to this move was not only are we moving we also are expecting our first child and everything was great and then i went in for an appointment at 30 weeks just a routine prenatal checkup mm-hmm. and i had been feeling a little bit anxious like the week before i remember calling the doctor and saying like i don't feel right something feels wrong i don't feel like i feel the baby moving they assured me I could come in or I had an appointment in a few days. I could wait. And I just decided to wait. I just felt like I didn't really trust my gut, which I should have just went with that intuition, but I waited and went in a few days later. And before they did anything, I said, can we find this baby's heartbeat? And they tried to find with a regular Doppler and couldn't find anything. So then they sent me for an ultrasound and the or technician that day had to tell me that there was no heartbeat and that our daughter would be stillborn, which just leads to this crazy, chaotic. I'm alone. My husband wasn't there, so trying to get a hold of him just just chaos. And then then them telling me how this is all going to go. Now you're going to be induced. You're going to deliver. And I am denying <laughs> that truth. I'm like, no. That's not how I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But eventually my husband was able to get there and we kind of just had to move forward with the next steps, which was the induction and delivery. That night I went home. I was going to be induced the next day. And I remember thinking, I know this has happened to people, but I thought it was so rare. I never thought that this could happen to me. And so I started Googling stories. I wanted to hear someone's story. I had a really hard time finding any stories of hope, any stories that were kind of not this dark thing that overtook someone's life. And so I just decided in that moment I'm not taking that route. I want to be someone who shares this and the whole all of it and that there's going to be beauty in this too. And so I went home, was induced the next morning and I just kind of made the choice that I would share her name and her story and we found out she was a girl. I actually was waiting until birth to find out the gender. But this is another little special layer for us and was so beautiful. Was for some reason when I had that anatomy scan at 20 weeks, my brother, he's in the Marines, and I was nervous he would be deployed when I had the baby and wouldn't know. And that I would have a hard time getting to him. So I mailed him the gender, like way before <laughs> I knew. So I actually was able to call my brother and say are we having a girl or a boy and he told me it was a girl so we could name her we named her Francesca Joy and she was born on September 22nd, 2016 and she was beautiful and per- she is beautiful and perfect and i still had that experience now that i have a rainbow baby so spoiler alert i did go on to have a healthy living baby she's 17 months old but now that i've had i have my daughter now and i had frankie then the Feelings for me were very similar. Like you have this baby, you're holding her and you're just feeling this. You've had babies, you know, you feel this, you can't even explain it. It's like this euphoric, oh my gosh, I created this person and and they're so perfect and special. And I had that feeling with Frankie and with Joya. And so if there's anybody listening to this ever that finds out that they're going to have this, a baby stillborn, or they're going to lose a baby, just know that you're still going to feel that love and that joy when you have your baby. Yeah.
0: Gosh, (laughs) I'm having a hard time holding back the tears (laughs) because, oh my gosh, I'm in awe of your strength, honestly. Like I'm tearing up right now because that's just, I have two children and seeing your baby and knowing that, oh, I'm not going to get these experiences, but I'm holding you right now and I love you and I don't want to let you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only imagine what you're experiencing in in that moment. And so what I want people to know and learn from this, Taylor, explain to me, I think that people have the best of intentions, like trying mm-hmm. to be supportive and trying to like, Say the right things, but sometimes they stumble <laughs> and don't say the right things. So let's talk about maybe some of the things that were not helpful at first. So what were those things that people did or said to you that just weren't really helpful? That's so true, and I think we don't understand
1: the importance of our words until we're on the other end, uh, the right. other side, on the receiving right. end. So just disclaimer: if you have said anything, I know I have said had said things prior to this, or didn't fully understand what a mom was going through don't beat yourself up we all learn as people share and and we learn things right but really just the cliche things that i would hear that just don't even make sense in this scenario like oh everything happens for a reason or i'm sure this is all just part of the bigger plan or at least you could get pregnant or people would say like she must have just been too beautiful for earth you know i was just like okay and then there's one big one that i think the person who said it was just trying to make sense of it on how I could like live with this information. Cause I think they were struggling, like, how do you actually get this information and then go on? And it was something to the, sen- to the, the sentiment was, you know, there was probably something wrong with her and she would have had a really hard life. And oh, so that obviously yeah. in the moment I was like, what? Like, There's nothing
0: like, wrong with her. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. She yeah. was perfect. Right. And right. We you don't
1: get, know what happened? <laughs> yeah, you your your mom's defenses come up, your mama bear comes up. Yeah. So just stuff like that, really the cliche things.
0: And then on the flip side of that, just things that people. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Like, What are things that people should say instead of those things of like trying to make it better or trying to make sense of it? What can they say or do? Is there anything they can do to help you or support you when going through a loss? Yes. So the first thing I would say,
1: the most beautiful sound for any parent that has lost their child is their name. So when people say, Francesca or Frankie, and they talk about my daughter and they use her name, it just is like, a Band-Aid. Sunshine. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just, yeah. Like,
1: it's just I love hearing her name. I love hearing about her. I love talking about her. Even my doctors moving forward always say her name. Since having Joya, who is my my living daughter, she we've moved back to Pittsburgh. We're actually from here, and so lots of crazy moves also <laughs> happened this time. <laughs> my new doctors that I'm seeing now, just in case we have another pregnancy, hopeful for another pregnancy. When I went to visit them, when I went to meet with them, which is just last week, my like radar was up and I now know how to advocate for myself. And the first thing those doctors did was ask me my stillborn daughter's name and they typed it in my notes, made sure I was okay with people calling her by her name. What do I prefer? So I was just very, very aware of people really treating her as the person that she is and me as her mother. And it's just amazing when people say their name and then just like... I always tell people don't not say anything because you're afraid you're going to make us sad or make us think about it. We didn't forget. We never forget that this happened. So you bringing up my daughter who passed away is never going to all of a sudden make me be like, oh, I wasn't thinking about that today. I'm thinking about it every (laughs) single day. So you you can't bring up, you can't bring it up and catch me off guard or make me sad. If anything, I might have needed to hear her name today, and you just gave me the. The window of opportunity to talk about her.
0: But that's so, see, that's so refreshing and good for us to know because I know several people who have lost a child and I don't bring it up because I don't know what to say and I don't want to say anything wrong. But in my heart, I'm like, oh, but I want to say something and I want to hug them and I want them to know that like, I'm thinking of them and their child and I love them. But for some reason I get scared to say something. So it's okay to say something you're it's saying? It's okay.
1: I do believe it's okay. I would <laughs>
0: rather have someone say something
1: and me be like, Oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it right now. Then, them not say anything when maybe in the back of my mind, I'm looking for this excuse to talk about it or talk about her, but I don't want to upset. I think, especially other lost moms I've talked to, we don't want to bring it up because we see everyone else get uncomfortable. So it's right. more of us like holding back, but
0: yeah, that one makes sense. Person,
1: yeah, if one person kind of opens that door, then it's just so relieving and just await off of our shoulders that we're not the ones that
0: have to write Right. So should I and our listeners, whenever we're talking to a mom who has experienced loss, should we then ask them, like, is it okay for me to use her name? Because I know that you say that like that yes. brings you so much joy, but have you met any moms who are like, oh, that's a sensitive thing, or I don't like to share her name that's really personal, or how should we kind of approach that? Yes, I have met moms. And that's the other
1: thing we always get the advice that every mom's way of momming is the right way and every <laughs> i always say every mom's way of grieving is also the right way and however right. they want to handle their loss is the right. right way right so i do know moms that have said to me you know i'm just not as comfortable sharing as you are but i love what you're reading and i i don't like to talk about these are these like private things that they've kept for themselves because it just feels more sacred that way to them so i really do think that If they're open about this, that this experience happened and that they've lost a child, I do think that is perfectly acceptable to say, Like, did you name your baby? Would you like me to call your baby by her name? Or is there anything that makes you think of your baby that you love? I have friends who, because Frankie was born in September, I think sunflowers were just in season. So I was getting all these bouquets with sunflowers and they kind of just became our little symbol for her. So, I'll have friends that just think of her and will text me like a sunflower symbol, you oh. know, like a little no deer, just like thinking of you with like a little sunflower. And it just means so much that they do that.
0: Yeah. That oh, that is her. beautiful. That is so special. I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah. So, you can ask, you know, is there anything that makes you think of them too and just see where they're at? You know? Right. Right,
0: right. Oh, I love that. Okay. Now, what helped you get through this storm? Because obviously you're, again, so strong and like telling your story and have a smile on your face. But I know that it wasn't always like that. I know that you definitely had to mourn the loss of your daughter. But what helped you get over, not get over, because you're never over it, but it helped you get through the storm? Yeah.
1: So moving through the storm was a very crazy. And it still is. I've told people, I know we're focusing so much on the loss right now, but also now having a living daughter and parenting with one living and one not, it's this very, it's a different storm now. Like it's changed. Right. Right. In the beginning, and I actually have started doing volunteer work with them. There's an organization called the Finley Project. And it was started by a mom, Noelle in Florida. And she lost her daughter due to a medical mishap. She started this organization for Grieving Moms. It's a seven-step holistic program. And through me sharing my story, the day I got home from the hospital, a mutual friend that went to high school with her linked us up. She called me on the phone right away. I was connected with a support mom who also had a loss very similar to mine who walked me through that whole entire first year with one-on-one phone calls, text messages, cards. She just kept making sure that I knew someone out there was thinking of me and Frankie and I actually do that now for other moms. I've just this past couple of months have been able to step in that role so almost five years later it's just looking like that for me. and then you know they would they had someone come clean our house. So a couple of times a cleaning service came and just cleaned my house and I tried to deny it and then once my house was clean, I just had the space to just like, sob hysterically for hours because that weight was just off of my shoulders. So I do also tell friends when they ask, what can I do for my friend who just lost a baby? And I say, give them a couple weeks and then tell them you're having a cleaning service come over. And they can't say no because they might think they don't need it. But then once their house is perfect, they'll appreciate it. They got me set up with counseling. So a therapist that I saw Till I moved back to Pittsburgh, she saw me through my whole, whole next pregnancy with Joya. All that time in between, the Finley Project literally helped me <laughs> every single day. I would not be able to talk about this in the way that I do if it wasn't for the intervention of those women and that organization.
0: Oh, oh my gosh! I'm thank you for sharing that powerful resource because you're absolutely right. Without support, without like therapy, talk therapy or whatever kind of therapy, and Getting some of the everyday responsibilities off of your plate to be able to just be in the moment and experience and grieve through it, I can imagine it really helps you, like we were saying, get through that storm. So, oh my gosh, how amazing. So it's the Finley Project, you yes, said? Yes,
1: org is their website. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook too. Beautiful and yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what you said earlier, you're right. We've been focusing a lot about the storm and loss, but now let's talk about these rainbows, these beautiful rainbows. And like you said, you have this gorgeous living daughter, Joya. So what would you want to tell mothers out there who are waiting for their beautiful rainbows?
1: Oh gosh. So until I had my own rainbow, even the term rainbow baby could just kind of set me off. I just mm. was never, you know, you're never promised a rainbow. So I would just feel this sort of way. And I did have a pregnancy after Frankie too that I lost in the first trimester. So I really had all these conflicting thoughts I had to work through in lots of therapy. But what happens when you don't have your rainbow baby? So right,
0: what do you tell those moms?
1: I just tell them I, I understand. I get it. It sucks. It's so hard. And I just, I remember one day, the other thing too, is that my husband and I's grief journeys were not parallel. So there was a lot of times where I was in it and he was on to something else. And now most days I'm caring for Joya and taking care of her. And he kind of will have his days now, or he wants to talk about it more now, or he brings her up to friends. I just realized one day that I had to just focus on one day at a time because I was missing out on so much beauty in the moment of just the day because I was so focused on what the next holiday might look like or what Frankie's next birthday might look like. Would I be pregnant? Wouldn't I be? Would I have another loss? I just was constantly caught up in the what ifs of the future that I wasn't really paying attention to the little things that were really great, which is so much easier said than done. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Focusing on one day at a time. It really was just one day at a time.
0: Yeah. That's all you can do. And I'm so glad that you brought up the partner because that's something that I didn't think of until you brought this up. But you're absolutely right. It's not just the mother who is experiencing loss, but also the partner. And you're absolutely right. Also, I've learned from previous clients of mine, that healing of losing a child, it's not linear. It doesn't just always get better. There's like highs and lows. Even years later, there can be lows. And You're right. You you and your partner could be completely off on where you're at in your healing journey and how you're feeling certain days. How have you and your husband been able to work through that as a couple? Because I know that that can really be a hard stepping stone for a marriage.
1: We- at the beginning, the first few months were just not great because I couldn't verbalize what. I mean, the other thing is, <laughs> you're postpartum, so you're having yeah. like these
0: crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hormonal, yes.
1: yeah. So I just I had all of these hormonal things happening. I didn't understand and I couldn't verbalize. And I'm not getting the same postnatal care as I would if I had a living child. So I do think that's like a gap in care, but. I wasn't having this stuff explained to me. No one was talking to me about postpartum depression or anxiety, hormonal imbalances, chemical imbalances, all of that. So that was a whole other layer, but my husband dealt with it in the beginning by just going right back to work. Like I think then like two days later he went back to work and his boss was like, I think you should go home. And that was just his way of managing it. And mine was to not do anything. So he would get frustrated because Maybe he thought I was making my misery worse by not doing anything. But really, I had to find the words to say, I'm sad. This isn't about you. I need you to just let me be sad. I know I'm sad. I'm not oblivious to this fact. But that was therapy, just a lot of therapy and talking to my therapist about how to just communicate that this wasn't anything he could fix. Because I think that's a lot of times the partner who didn't physically give birth. yes. Yeah, right just wants to fix it. So he just was looking at me like, I can't help you. I can't bring our baby back, trying to fix me in some way. And so just giving him the out, like you actually cannot solve this problem, was good for us and kind of took that weight off of him, constantly worrying. Does she know she's acting like this? Because I did. I did know I was grieving hard and sad and you know, just going
0: through it. And you brought up something else that people are not thinking about and are completely unaware, but you're so right. These women, if they lose their child during pregnancy and have to deliver stillbirth, they're still postpartum and they're still going to get leaky boobs and they're still going to be bleeding for several weeks. And And that's something that someone brought up to me that for her, it would have been helpful if maybe friends brought over like some cabbage for her to put on her breasts or mm-hmm. you know some pads or you know diapers yeah. for her mm-hmm. or you know some tea to help with stopping the milk production things to help her recover but also like good food and things for her body to like I said recover and heal from from that experience is that something that you would have found helpful luckily I did have some
1: friends who I think just because I was so public on social media about everything I had friends of friends of friends saying, you know, give her this, send her this, that they oh, had also experienced. Yeah. So I didn't have too much of that. Now that I have Joya and have had birth again, I'm like, oh, I wish I had this the first time. Like, you know, the, <laughs> right. the Perry bottle with like the looped thing. Yes. The, the upside down one. On. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yeah, girl. Like that or like the cooling pads, the ones yes. that are like, they have like herbs in them that are cooling.
0: Yeah, you can do Patsicles yes. or yes. Um, the or the ice packs. Yep, yep, yeah, those I didn't are great. Have
1: any of that, and I, my nurse, I think she maybe told me like wear a couple of sports bras, but no real help as far as drying milk up. I remember going out to dinner with friends, a few friends. And I experienced letdown for the first time and I didn't know what that was. Right. So I was panicking like something's wrong and then I'm soaked and my friends were like, oh, we should go home. Like I didn't know what was happening. I wasn't prepared for that. Luckily they had kids. So they were able to kind of just like shove me in a car and be like, but they also said, we weren't thinking about this. We weren't thinking about your body and what it was going to be going through four days postpartum. Right. Yeah. So it's just...
0: Yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. So that's something that can be helpful too is like, hey, maybe she doesn't have a postpartum care kit. Go to target and pick up some items that any postpartum mom will need, whether she is bringing that baby home or not, she needs that for herself. So that's something that I, I was like, we need to remember that these moms are still postpartum too yes. And, and, yes. and care for them. So thank you for reminding us of that. And you already gave us such a great resource, but I want to ask you, Taylor, like, what are some other resources that you recommend families look into? Really? I think,
1: the Finley project helped me so much, but then also there are so many local, and I keep saying the Finley project because they helped me find all of these local resources. I know that the hospital gave me a sheet of paper that had local grief support, local organizations that helped parents through this, dates of memorials that the hospital actually held for babies who were lost. So there were some really great things that the hospital gave me, but as a friend of someone now, I always say, where's your hospital packet? Because I just blacked out. I don't remember what those people told me. Like, you know, They gave me this folder of information, and then I didn't re- realize that there weren't just bills in there, that there was also useful information. So usually the hospital will have that information. A social worker did come into my labor and delivery room and gave me some resources, asked about our family situation, what that all looks like. But I know now that I live in Pittsburgh too, and I'm here and, and women know that I have had this experience. They have invited me to their local mom's chapters of moms of infant loss and and that kind of thing. So those resources are there. Google, yeah. much as I hate to say it,
0: <laughs> it's but true. maybe
1: as a friend, you could do that for, for your friend who has yes. lost because that mom's not thinking of that
0: in the moment. But I love that. That's, yeah. so, that's so helpful. And Taylor, now I really want to hear more about your beautiful rainbow baby, uh, Joya. So tell me, how was that pregnancy? What were you thinking and feeling? How was labor and delivery, recovery? We want to know it all. Tell <laughs> yes. us. I always tell people a pregnancy
1: after a loss for me is a full-time job. So it is a lot of mental work, physical work, it's hard for me. It's very hard for me. People have already asked, you know, do you want another? And I'm like, Oh, I got to check the calendar because we,
0: um,
1: (laughs) we got to block off a year for me to just like be mentally capable of handling it. But I had the most amazing medical staff. So post Frankie, I had another pregnancy that I lost in the first trimester. And then about a year after that, I got pregnant with Joya. For starters, once you have had a loss in the way that I did with Frankie, I was actually then considered high risk. So I was referred to a maternal fetal medicine, high risk doctor to evaluate our case and make a care plan for moving forward. So my care plan for my pregnancy with Joya, for me personally, I wanted in place before I ever got that positive test. So I knew exactly what a pregnancy would look, would look like as far as my medical care would go and I was comfortable with that and felt good about that. Now that I moved back to Pittsburgh, I took that same care plan to my doctors here and said, for a hopeful next pregnancy, this is what I need to make it through. And they said, done. Whatever you want, we'll get you set up with our maternal fetal medicine doctors here and we'll go forward with that. So that looked like a lot of extra sonograms, biophysical profile testing. Once I was past 20 weeks, actually it might have been 26 weeks, every week I got to see Joya and have... They do these like different markers she had to pass. And if she didn't pass them, I would have a non-stress test. So it was every week of like two to three hours at the doctor and then meeting with my midwife who delivered Frankie also was my main midwife for Joya. And just he just always made sure I was okay and, and mentally feeling good. And then usually right from that doctor's appointment every week, I would go right to therapy and she would say, okay, like let's unpack anything that might've come up during that appointment. And just knowing that I had only one week till the next time I got to see her on the outside was, was super helpful or on the inside, I mean, Not on the outside, on the inside. And then. I just really started to get into, and at the time it sounded very woo woo to me and not something I was into, but meditations and affirmations. So when I would have these moments of like, what's happening, I would just repeat over and over to myself, like in this moment, we're fine. In this moment, we're fine. And then usually I would feel her kick like 10 times. So it was just, it would calm me down enough to, you know, clear my mind. And then I could actually pay attention to what was going on with her. I used to joke around with my husband like, this baby is so active. She never lets me worry for too long. And now (laughs) all I do is worry because she's so active. She's like stealing the high chair and like hanging from the curtains. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have known. But I did choose to be induced a week early just to get her out on the outside and have a very tangible countdown to when I would get to meet her. My induction went great, had an amazing team there. We scheduled my induction around my midwife being the doctor in the hospital that night. I knew who would be delivering her and just making sure I was comfortable with the whole process. So I think if you're a mom now listening and you want to be pregnant, you have a hopeful rainbow pregnancy, just advocating for yourself. Before Frankie, I was not a good advocate for myself. I didn't know what to say. I would feel guilty if I felt like I needed something. Like I would just feel guilty asking for Things oh, that girl. I needed. I'm
0: so glad you're saying this because I tell my doula clients all the time. I go, do you know you're paying those hospital bills? Do you know that you're the boss, that you don't have to ask permission? You're paying them. It's a service and you should get the experience that you'd like. I.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. I I just used to just feel so guilty and I did end up switching doctors in the middle of my pregnancy with Frankie because something just fell off. And my mom works in healthcare and she was like, get out. Like if you are not comfortable where you are, exactly. Get out. Go somewhere yeah. else. Thank God I found the doctors I did that ended up delivering Frankie and and you know I didn't feel good where I was initially because I ended up with the most amazing experience. When we decided to move back to Pittsburgh, I was like, Oh no, but what about my doctors? I love them so much. My midwife. But yeah, I think just advocating for yourself and don't feel guilty. There's, there's no reason to feel bad about asking for what you need in order to make it to the next day. When I met with my doctors here just last week, I was so anxious. My husband was like, what? what's going on? Why do you feel so? I was like paralyzed with anxiety going to this appointment. And I said, I think I'm just going to have to ask for all of this stuff. And like, what if they say no? And he was like, then we go somewhere else. It's not-
0: Exactly.
1: I was just so like, but the woman that the midwife I met said, I work for you. You know, whatever you want is what we will make happen. So
0: great answer. I love that. (laughs) And she is so right. Birth workers work for you and it should be everything that you want it. And that's what our goal is to give you the experience, hopefully that you desire. If things kind of go to the left, we try to make it as- beautiful of a experience as possible. So I'm so glad you said that because yes, women need to take power back in the birthing room and because it's your body and your baby and your experience, and you're going to be the one that lives with that for the rest of your life. Like that experience stays with you. So I'm so glad that you said that. And now, so you said you had a beautiful and great induction and birth and how was postpartum holding this baby, bringing her home? How was that? I just, Oh gosh, there are no words. I don't think I cried when I actually birthed her, but now I'm gonna cry now, like
1: replaying it. She just, I think I just was in whenever you're, you know, labor, everyone labors and whatever differently, but I just was so invested in this outcome. Like, just get me to this finish line. And I had the most amazing nurse. Joya, like I was saying, super active, decided to flip face up halfway through oh, my labor. Joya, what? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I feel every – I had an epidural, but I all of a sudden felt everything. It wasn't yep. working anymore. And-
0: oh, no. So
1: my nurse looked at me and said, hold on, you know, kind of felt my belly, and she was like, she's face up.
0: She's sunny and, side uh, up. That oh, po- occiput posterior. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so she
1: said how much – can you feel your your legs? And I said, and not like I could wiggle my toes. I was able to flip myself over, and she had a sheet rocking my oh, belly. Yep, yeah, rebozo it yeah. and <laughs> and do that like bowling ball shining yeah. around your yeah. belly. My husband was like, I'm just gonna back away from these two women like doing what women do. We were able to get her flipped back over, and as soon as she flipped over, I went from like six centimeters to ten plus three. And they, my midwife was like, she's gonna push her out if we don't get stuff situated here. So. I pushed, I think for like a minute and 52 seconds. Like it was, oh my barely, gosh. Just came. Yeah. It That's was amazing. Such a relief. Cause I was just ready to see her and I just wanted to make sure she was okay. So I was asking, you know, she's okay. She's crying. She's breathing. The NICU doctors came in and gave her the check over and handed her to me. And I was just like the exhale I had been waiting five years, four and a half years to just make happened. And, you know, I had my cousin who I'm closest to flew in. So I was texting her like, get here right now because her flight out was in a few hours. So I was just trying to get as many people. Luckily we had her three months pre COVID. So I was able to get people to meet her. And then, yeah, so it was beautiful. And just the same things I felt with Frankie, I felt with her. It just, the walk out the door was different really. It was the only thing that changed.
0: Yeah. And so what was that like having, having Joya in your house with you and dealing postpartum, like obviously you went through that storm. So what was that like bringing that baby home? I was just talking to a friend about it yesterday with a newborn. I was just telling her, you know,
1: when you're a mom who's had a loss, you have this like insane amount of gratitude, but it doesn't mean you don't experience the same things that every mom goes through like postpartum. So there were nights that I would just be crying and, and saying like, I'm so overwhelmed, but I shouldn't feel this way because I prayed for this and I'm so grateful for this. And so this conflict, this new layer of this grief and this journey of how do I mom now knowing what I know or experience what I experienced? How do I raise this kid? You know, those first few months, like it is oh, just- girl. You yeah. Know, I'm in my closet right now. What do you think? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just survival. and and But also just being so grateful that what's waking me up at night, every hour of the night is a crying baby and not my own trauma coming out in different forms and not sleeping because I'm so sad and grieving so hard and so depressed. But it's like a different Waking me up. So I just had to stay in that constant place of gratitude, but it it's still postpartum. It's yeah. still
0: it's, it, it's you hard. still have a baby yes. and it's motherhood is hard. It's so hard. it's I can imagine you're absolutely right. Like saying, But I wanted this and I've been praying for this and she's here, but holy crap, this is so hard. Yeah, and I didn't
1: feel guilty admitting I was having a hard time.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that's everybody. Mm-hmm. Every every single one of us have mm-hmm. uh, I'm considered an expert and I have a hard time <laughs> yeah. in this field and because it's just it's exhausting. So I'm so glad that you allowed yourself to feel those feelings because even though yes, you're so great. We're all so grateful for our beautiful babies, but it is okay to be like you're a piece of work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. tough. <laughs> I did have a really great doctor too that just reminded me this is another level. Like, you already have experienced anxiety and depression because of losing a child. So, now just be aware. Like, you know what this feels like. And so, just it's okay if you feel those things. And we, we'll make sure you have all the moving parts you need to mentally, which every mom should have, not just lost moms, but all the moving parts you need to make it through. And one of the best things, honestly, was my husband went to a new daddy boot camp before we had Joya. And so, he was able to recognize times I wasn't okay.
0: And he was able to
1: recognize like a lot, like maybe, you know, I remember one morning I just was like trying to nurse her and I was like falling all over the place. And he just like took the baby and was like, okay, I'm going to go into work late and you're going (laughs) to sleep for like (laughs) six hours. Or just when I would have overwhelming frustration, he would just kind of walk in and like take over and just kind of do what, what needed. So I'm grateful that I have a partner and I have someone to do this with me, but just having a support system that is there to help you navigate and can recognize. He said they taught him about intrusive thoughts and all of that during the oh, new wow. daddy. they program. were thorough. They were. They sep- we I went to the new mommy version too, and they separated us so the dads were in one room and the moms were in the other room. I guess he learned a lot, but it was
0: very helpful. I love that. I love that. I love that he paid attention. Some yes. dads will fall asleep <laughs> in those classes.
1: <laughs> that was his <laughs> idea. He was like, "I want to go to this." I think he was very oh. invested in. Not winging it. I mean, we're yeah. still winging it, but he wanted to like go, <laughs> in, go in with some sort of like. Oh, I heard about this before. Um,
0: that's so great. That's such yeah. a good. That's such a good tip. I I love that. I couldn't agree more. Oh man, that's so great. And Taylor, do you have any like final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? Well, depending on who you are
1: listening, I could give you all different. But the main thing I hear from people asking me, "How can I help my friend?" or from a mom who has lost, like I don't know if I'm doing this right, is this okay that I feel this way? Is your way of grieving or your friend's way of grieving is the right way? And however they choose to get through a next pregnancy is the right way. I got a lot of, not a lot, but I got some pressure to try to go into labor naturally and not be induced at 39 weeks because of the success rate or you will have a less painful labor or I had to really say like, no, I need this end date. I need this date on a calendar. So just making sure that you're allowing your friend or allowing yourself to go through your pregnancy or deal with your loss in any way that's healthy and good for you and, and helpful for you and not feel pressured by what you see on social media or how this celebrity handled it or how, what this blog says and just doing what feels best for you.
0: Thank you for saying that because you're right. As as a doula, I've been to over 300 births. And typically what I recommend moms is like, let your body do it naturally. Inductions can potentially increase the rate of cesareans, but it is completely different when you're high risk or have experienced loss or anything like that, because in that moment, I don't care how you get this baby out as long as you leave feeling like it was a good experience. If you want to get induced, if you want that C-section, if you want it birthing by a river with the deer in the background, I don't care. I just want you to have a positive, no trauma experience, however that looks like, and have a healthy mom and baby. That is my ultimate goal. So I'm so glad that you said that because we need to honor women's choices, whatever that looks like, even though it may not be what you personally think someone should do or even what I recommend. A But those my recommendations are for moms who are like no risk. Those are a completely different experience. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because I completely agree. If you had been my client, I would have been like, Absolutely, Taylor. Let's go sign up for <laughs> <Yeah>. that induction. <laughs> yes. What time do I need to be there? You yeah. know, we need to support these women and and have the the birth that you want. So I'm so yeah. glad that you said that.
1: Yeah, that's so true too. I remember I actually also remember a nurse during my labor with Joya. I was trying to push the epidural off and not get it and I didn't realize how much my birth experience with Frankie would play into my mindset for my birth experience with Joya. So I was kind of unraveling a little bit she just grabbed me and was like, honey, (laughs) like you have felt enough pain in your life. Like if this physical pain needs to go away, like we're taking it away. And I was like, okay, okay. Just kind of said, and it was the best thing that I could have done. Cause then I was able to just take a deep breath until she put face up and then just kind of recoup and do what I needed to do but I was just trying to do what I had seen a mom on social media do she did it with no pain meds, so I thought I could you know,
0: and you could but you don't have to right. you know what I mean? right. your body could but it's it's not and hey girl I have my babies at home so mm. I don't have the uh, option for an <laughs> epidural but I am all about again like You do you, you do what you need to do Mm -hmm. to have that good experience, whatever that looks like. And especially, Mm -hmm. yes, when you were telling your story and then telling also your rainbow story, I was thinking, oh gosh you could have some of those like flashbacks or some Mm -hmm. trauma come into that experience because of what you've experienced before. So I completely agree. If you're experiencing those things, we want to take away anything else. So Mm -hmm. you can process all of that and and come out at the end of that birth, not only happy that you're holding this baby, but happy with your overall experience giving birth to this baby. So I'm so glad you did what you needed to do and advocated for yourself and good for you.
1: One little lesson that Frankie taught her mom was
0: just advocate for yourself, you know. Love that. Oh oh my gosh. Okay, so Taylor, so now that everyone's (gasps) fallen in love with you and they need to like know more, where can our listeners find you? So I'm pretty active on Instagram
1: these days. You can find me at Tay Moliterno on Instagram. I do have a blog as well, which is taylormoliterno.com. So a lot of stuff that I mentioned today, I have like in articles that I have written as I've gone through these
0: experiences as well. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Taylor, this, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's obvious that you're just a beautiful person and a wonderful mother, and we're just so lucky to have you here. So thank you again. Thank you so much of course. And for our listeners out there to learn more and follow along Taylor's story, as she said, visit her on Instagram at Tay Moliterno. I'm going to spell that out for you guys. T-A-Y-M-O-L-I-T-I-E-R-N-O as well as her blog website, taylormoliterno.com. Our team will be posting today's episode on Baby Chick Facebook page, so if you have any questions or comments about rainbow babies and families with rainbow babies, please share them with us in the comments. And as as always if you haven't already please subscribe to chick chat the baby chick podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review